Obedience is what we're called to, no matter what our feelings tell us, no matter what our personality type is. It's about obedience and doing what he has told you to do. And sometimes that involves risks. And for the, the self-protective pride kind of person, you're risking um, rejection, you're risk, risking criticism, and that's the fear deep down in us, that fear of man stuff that will keep us from doing the will of God. Pride can spring up in many different ways, depending on our temperament. In the last episode, we talked about the kind of pride that loves the spotlight. But maybe you're not like that. Maybe you want to be in the background. Maybe you're sensitive, quiet, or even shy. Today, we'll look at the expressions of the self-life and pride that are revealed in those who really just want to keep themselves safe. Safe from embarrassment, safe from being exposed, safe from being hurt. Thanks for joining us in part four of our series, Exposing the Root of All Sin on Purity for Life. I think that self-protective pride, which Pastor Steve in his book attributes as a temptation mainly for introverts, it's possibly the most subtle form of pride. It's really easy to look at the arrogant, boastful person and say, that guy is full of himself. But then there's the guy in the corner, so to speak. And it could be true that he is also just as controlled by pride. You see, We often judge by external behaviors, but God is looking at the heart. Let's dive right in today. Jessie Meldrum is a counselor for our Overcomers at Home program. She'll talk about why quiet, unassuming people can be just as full of pride as the one who wants to be at the center of everything. You've done a lot of ministry since you became a Christian back in the 70s, and your husband was a pastor of several churches, and you've been traveling together as evangelists for a long time, and you're also one of our Overcomers at Home counselors. When you minister to women who are asking you, why do I have these problems, or I need help with various things, do you find that they're shocked if you show them that pride is at the root? All right, well, let me just go back to when we were pastoring and um, specifically through the 80s into the early 90s, I was totally convinced that the answers were in psychology. And how that came about was I was a faithful listener to a radio show of um, a Christian psychologist. Mm. And he just reinforced what I learned in psychology, that the many problems that women experience stem from the fact that they have low self-esteem, insecurities. And I believed it. Maybe I wanted to believe it because it answered my own issues too. So I just believed that as a pastor's wife, what my women needed was a lot of encouragement by just helping them to feel better about themselves. Uh And, And then it wasn't until after that time 
that I began to realize that this isn't the biblical way to do things. Mm. And um, one of the things that made that clear, these women weren't really changing, not not to any great degree. They were still struggling. And so at one point I did a study just on Jesus and what what was it that he did to encourage and build people up? And I found that there were very few times that Jesus was actually giving people this esteem building kind of stuff it was more um, very few times that he that he did it he it was addressing their faith that they yeah. had great faith but other than that you just don't see that what i had believed was the truth as far as how to minister how to um, help yeah. people in in these circumstances bringing it up to date with doing the oka counseling it's a wonderful book to use the iBook, and uh, for women, especially that chapter seven, as they begin the book, just like I don't understand why I'm doing this book. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, what's it's the like, connection? Yeah, I, I, pride isn't my issue, and okay. and certainly has nothing to do with sexual sin or whatever. Sure, but they start to to figure it out as they're going along. But then when they hit chapter seven, that's when we have really good conversations, huh. and um, yeah, we talk about uh, what. Pride is in the form of really self-love, self-focus. One of the things I can do is take them to Scripture and and just show them your focus is wrong. Mm. You're focusing on yourself. And you know what that is? It's it's self-absorption. It's self-love. It's it's, even though it's negative thoughts about yourself. Yeah, sure. It's not humility. Yeah. It's still all about you. It's still very much about your pain, your struggles, your suffering. Mm-hmm. So it's hopeless when they're in that. But when you give them something like it's pride, it's sin, then they can repent of it. Yeah. They can change. God can change this about them. In our last episode, we talked about forms of pride that most people would clearly and readily identify. You alluded to it. You know, the person who's really obviously arrogant or always wants to be the center of attention or the woman. In this episode, we want to talk about some manifestations of pride that probably are less difficult or more difficult to identify, like you were talking about. Maybe someone who is just really shy or someone who isolates themselves from other people or they just think a lot of negative thoughts about themselves. So these are more difficult to see as pride. Can you explain why, from a biblical perspective, we would identify those things as pride? What I'd like to start out with this answer is going back to um, a statement Pastor Steve makes in the book. Right in the beginning, page 28, I'm always having my counselees turn to it, and it's his definition of pride. And the first, it's twofold, but the first one is an exaggerated opinion of ourselves mm-hmm. and our importance. So when you take that into consideration, then it covers a whole lot more. And when you think you are the important person, and even shy people, we think that too, because mm. we we think about ourselves all the time. So more than anybody else, we mm. think about ourselves. Mm-hmm. It might be in the negative sense a lot of that time, but we're very self-focused. And then we have scriptures like Philippians 2, 3, to esteem others higher than ourselves. How can I do that when I'm thinking so much on me and my issues and my problem? And I don't want to be in this place because I don't know anybody. And um, not not thinking about people who might be there who need me 
to talk to them about mm. Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's it's still it's about me. Yeah. I'm being uncomfortable. And biblically, I mean, Jesus, how many times he told us to give ourselves away, to deny ourselves, take up the cross, follow him, to lose our life. All that means this whole self-protective pride stuff has to be repented of. Obedience is is what we're called to, no matter what our feelings tell us, no mm-hmm. matter what our personality type is. Uh, it, it's about obedience and doing what he has told you to do. And sometimes that involves risks. Yeah. And for the, the self-protective pride kind of person, that you're risking um, rejection, mm. you're, you're risk, risking criticism, and that's the fear deep down in us, yeah. um, that fear of man stuff that will keep us from doing the will of God. It's strange how people can can look at you when you're you're in the background and you're more of a shy. They think you're so humble or whatever. And all the time you can be in this total disobedience to the Lord because I don't want to do that. I, I don't want to talk to that person. I don't want to be in that room. I don't want to. There's a lot of struggle with doing the will of God when you're self-absorbed like this. You're mm. afraid mm. of what people will think of you. Or again, rejection is just huge. Yeah. So the issue is that because you're so focused on yourself, you're unwilling to see the good that someone else could experience through you, mm-hmm. and that's putting yourself before them. Yeah, absolutely. It's, again, self-love. It, it, I'm more concerned about me and how I will feel rather than if I can help somebody. One of the types of pride that Pastor Steve writes about is a person who's so afraid of being hurt that they build these walls emotionally around themselves. And... You and I know it's never possible to protect ourselves from getting hurt in this life completely. So it never really works. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if you could explain how sometimes that self-protection produces more sin. If a person does get hurt, what kind of sinful reactions then just come spilling out of them? First of all, we're easily offended. Um, because we think everything is a negative statement towards us. So, yeah, like you can have someone pray over you, and later in your mind you're going, wow, so they were praying that I would have a greater hunger for God. That means they think that I don't have any hunger for God. It's like everything goes to the negative automatically in your mind. But, yeah, so then you can become bitter at people, Mm. angry Mm. um, and bitter at people that never even meant to uh, offend you in any way. So um, another sin that I don't think people really think about is how um, you can become very good at lying. If you are asked to do something and it's it's uncomfortable, I don't want to, oh, I would like to, but I can't because of this. And mm. it's you're just telling these falsehoods all mm. the time because it's avoiding people or avoiding circumstances that are uncomfortable. Or um, So you can be very defensive. You can just be hard to approach. One of the ways that I see God really... Uh, speaks into life of people, helps people, is when we share our own experiences of how we failed. And, uh, you know, it's in OCA counseling, I do that, try to do that a lot to help them understand that what I'm bringing out here isn't 
isn't just you. I struggled with this. I still struggle with this. Mm. Sometimes I'll give them an example of something happened to me a week ago. I'm going, you know, it's this fear of man takes a long time to get out. Just last week I did Uh this. And uh um, so, yeah, confession is one of the uh, good things uh, to bring it out, to be honest. Um, But yeah, you, you just close yourself off and it's you think that life is better, easier that way. Um, but again, it's sin. You're mm-hmm. not doing what you were put on this earth to do. I, I have seen this in my own life. I think everyone probably does. We follow a course of action like, like self-protective pride. We do it because we believe that we're going to be benefited by it. And what inevitably happens is that we bring a lot of pain and suffering. And if we never see it, we're always blaming someone else or some circumstance. This is why I'm this way. When you have confronted self-protective pride in your own life, what are some of the blessings that have come out of it? Well, first of all, it's the obedience is blessed by God. And um, sometimes you have to separate the feelings of, you know, the blessings or whatever to the obedience of it. So there's times mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. I, I certainly have done, I, I have crucified my own desire and and have done what the Lord has told me to do. And uh, it's... It wasn't fun. No. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I would fight everything within me up until the day of, let's say, speaking to a women's group. It's like, I don't want to do this. Like, God, why am I doing this again? You know, when's the last time I'll have to do this? And, <laughs> and we go through this conversation, but then I do it. And um, and after then, I feel like, well, thank you, Lord, because that didn't come out of me. <laughs> that was uh-huh, you. Uh-huh. And I'm glad you used me. I I, I do want to be used. I want to obey you. And I know it blesses his heart when mm-hmm, his children mm-hmm. obey him. Mm-hmm. So, so th- yeah, that's one of the blessings of obedience. But also, I, I don't even know that we can grasp how much really the reward that comes out of that obedience and denying that natural tendency in yourself. But certainly, I... I can see uh, once I started really seeing what was in me, that deeper fellowship you can have with others where you are just sharing your heart and the truth about, I'm really struggling with this. And the body of Christ becomes so beautiful at Mm, that point mm, that mm, it's mm, like, mm, wow, mm. I was really missing out on this because when, and, and sometimes you can pick the wrong person to, but for the most part, it's um it's wonderful this this um fellowship that God gave us and that we can open up and yeah. share our struggles and what's going on inside of us and not put up those walls yeah. and be afraid to tell someone even if their view of me will come plummeting down it's uh right. yeah it's so the yeah there's certainly rewards but i would say that obedience thing is it's so good and and then the lord entrusts you with more when you sure. obey him in this, it's like yeah. he, he will entrust you with more. And um, there's nothing more wonderful than letting the Lord use you in the life of someone and seeing that life change. It's It, it just reinforces that teaching of Jesus to just crucify those things that would keep you from being used by him and being an instrument to help change lives. Hmm. Let's close like this. There's... Every every time we're convicted about something, it's always painful. I don't think I've ever experienced conviction that was enjoyable. 
And I'm sure some people are seeing themselves in this and they're letting the Lord speak to them and it's revealing things and praise God for them. There's another way that we can protect ourselves from pain and that's by just steadfastly refusing to hear anything about ourselves that are negative. It's, I think you mentioned that earlier. If there's someone who is doing that, they're just unwilling to look at themselves, unwilling to hear any kind of correction, what would you say to them to help them? I think how the Lord works with us is first he convicts us about certain areas in our life, sin in our life. So the Holy Spirit will be faithful to do that. Mm -hmm. But if we don't listen to that, I believe the next thing God will do, or many times, he will send someone to show us, to open our eyes. Mm. And we can, at that point, choose to accept this. And we don't even have to, at the moment, say, oh, yeah, that's, but take it to prayer. Yeah, yeah. I think that's just a good practice whenever you, hear something, if someone's suggesting to you or just outright gives you a reproof, then it's best not to answer at that moment, but just, all right, I'm going to take this to prayer. I'm going to ask the Lord. If we cut it off because this is negative, I'm not going to go there. Yeah, yeah. Then what can the Lord do but have to then, in essence, uh, uh, step it up and maybe then we need circumstances mm. to come into our life mm. to help us to see what we're blind to, what we've refused to listen either through the Holy Spirit in that still small voice inside or the Holy Spirit through other people. Yeah. The circumstances can can shout at us. So best thing to do is is consider what people, especially if you if you hear the same thing from your spouse and then from a friend or your pastor, whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's there's something here then I really need to be praying about this and ask the Lord. If you put up that unapproachable kind of pride and just nope, I'm not letting this, I'm not letting anything negative come to me, then you're the one that's gonna lose. And and again, I think the Lord is just he loves you so much yeah. <laughs> that he is going to do something else. And usually it'll have to do with your circumstances that will humble you and help you to see the truth about yourself. Remember last week when we said that pride is always trying to protect our self-lives, but that when things break through our defenses, there are these other things that rise up to heal our wounded egos? We called them daughters of pride. And in the last episode, we dealt with rage. This week, we'll talk about bitterness because bitterness can easily hide in the person who is quiet, shy, and unassuming. Hebrews 12.15 says, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. The author uses a strong word, defiled, to describe how bitterness can poison many people when it is not repented of. As I speak with Jordan Yoshimine about this daughter of pride, please let the Lord speak freely to your heart. So Jordan, in our last episode, we looked at violent rage and bitterness and resentment. Those aren't as dramatic as that for sure, but the results spiritually can be just as deadly. At first, I would guess that bitterness starts innocently in a way, 
imperceptibly maybe, but if left unchecked, it comes out of us. I mean, people around us can just tell that we're bitter and we're resentful. Mm-hmm. I know that you struggled a lot with bitterness before coming to Pure Life, and you've helped counsel other men in this sin. What are some of the commonalities that lead to bitterness and resentment in a person's heart? That's a good question. I think first and foremost, if I were to really sit, think about um, counseling sessions that I've been in, and, and actually from my own personal experience, one of the most common threads you see in a person that's dealing with bitterness is that they've been sinned against in their mm-hmm. past. Mm-hmm. So whether that's um, sexual abuse of some form or abandonment or some other uh, sinful action. Um, and it, usually if it's something sexual in nature, it's someone close to them. So a family member, oh, a parent, okay. a sibling, a relative. So it just makes it even—I mean, it's already traumatic, whatever that sexual sin or abuse is, but then you add the dynamic of it being a family member or someone close to you. Yeah, someone that you trusted. Right. Then it just exponentially increases Uh uh, the potential for a person to be bitter. And I would add unforgiving in that because those two are are linked together. Okay. Yep. What about personality types? Do you know if there are certain personality types that tend more toward bitterness? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, um, you know, as I was thinking about this and preparing for the podcast, uh, I was thinking, okay, what personality types? And it's people who crave and idolize the affirmation of man. Oh. So it's people who have fear, what we call in counseling fear of man. Okay. But it's when they don't receive that mm-hmm. affirmation, when they look to a parent or a teacher yeah, yeah. or a coach or whoever that authority figure in particular, authority figures, um, if they don't receive that affirmation, they feel unloved. Yeah. They feel rejected. Um, and then that seed, that seed that Satan wants to plant, a bitterness, is injected. So people who really are not very confident, that are insecure, that look okay. to people to affirm them in yeah. whatever they're doing. Yeah, so yep. it's like one sin in a sense. I mean, that that sin of idolizing the approval of men then leads to that other sin. Correct. Yep. It's interesting because what you're really talking about is that— this bitterness is coming up in a person's life to try to protect them from more hurt. Right. To speak to that, like uh, anyone familiar with the podcast or Pure Life Ministries is going to be familiar with the term that spiral of degradation. It's the same thing in a person who's dealing with bitterness. So say there's a person sinned against, Mm -hmm. but instead of turning to the Lord, they turn to self— Yep. And they're, say, a person who's dealing with fear of man, the walls go up. Yep. And so there's, as a child, you know, you don't understand, so the walls go up. Yeah, that's right. And to protect yourself from getting hurt, mm-hmm. but as you grow up and keep those walls up, mm-hmm. it also keeps the Lord out. Mm. So when when you keep the Lord out, then what happens is just that, that, you know, those seeds that got planted start rooting themselves out or coming up and sprouting yeah. into fruit of 
bitterness, right. anger, rage, rebellion, yeah. then it, there's no room for anyone, and that includes the Lord. Yeah. And so then Satan has free reign, and it's just like, okay, what am I, you know, it's like, okay, let's just water that seed yeah. and keep them in mm-hmm. that, yeah. in that bitterness. And, okay, so you talked about one thing, which is that bitterness and resentment is almost like this way of protecting ourselves from being hurt again. Mm-hmm. What other things do you think bitterness and resentment are promising to give us? <laughs> well, okay, I'm going to, I have to use a personal example yeah. in that. So I'm going to talk about my relationship with my dad okay. or my parents. Um, my dad was a pastor and um, was a very good pastor, had some really great gifts of visitation, mm-hmm. of hospitality, of just reaching out, um, but at the expense of me and my two older brothers. So, I mean, you know, I'm not blaming him now, but when I was growing up, certainly that was an area that I felt abandoned Okay, um, because I would see my dad spending all this time like with these families, yeah. trying to witness to them, and you know, it was like, okay, I need help with my homework. Yeah, um, and yeah. He, they what just, about me? Yeah, so um, that really planted the seed, and then when I became a teen, that just that seed got watered. But I, yeah. instead of turning to the Lord, and I could have, I mean, I was in church, right? And Satan was able to water those seeds of bitterness, and um, the perceived benefit that kept me in that was retribution, revenge. Oh. Um, that you I was, hurt me. I'm, I'm going to hurt, hurt you. you. Yeah. And, um, you know, just, I mean, literally in some instances, I would have either a conversation with my dad or with my parents. And I mean, I went off, you know, on, you do this, you know, blah, 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 blah. And how about me? What about me? Yeah. Um, that bitterness, that self-protective pride, that uh, desire for retribution mm-hmm. just fed other sins. I mean, so I used that guilt to get what I wanted from my parents. Mm. So they would feel so guilty, mm-hmm. you know, and of course, being Asian American, that's that shame, mm. you know, you just can feed into that and they try to cover it and they would, okay, I need, I would have an argument with them and they would feel guilty. And then I said, oh, I want to go on a trip. I need a thousand dollars. Okay, here's a thousand dollars. So it turned into manipulation. Oh yeah, mom, I need a hundred dollars to do this, but I was spending it on sexual sin or going out drinking or whatever. It had nothing to do with me feeling, you know, a covering for what they did in the past. It was just a lie. I think a lot of times People who have been hurt, they want some sort of retribution, and it's yeah. not even directed perhaps even at the person that sinned against them. It's just okay. that yeah. was kind of the um, reality of um, my pastor and I, the relationship I had, the perceived slight against me. I turned and uh, was very critical of the pastor, undermined the pastor's authority, got people on my side. That verse that you used, uh, Hebrews twelve fifteen, you know, the root of bitterness defiles many. I mean, it defiled many people in the church, and people in the church, some people left the church and aren't in any church. Mm. You know, my bitterness and letting that being expressed, um, especially in the church setting, the perceived benefit is I was going to get back at my pastor. Right. But people, you know, aren't in church. Right. So, wow, I mean— 
I still deal with that, you know, the the pain of, okay, did I have something to do with my sin, have something to do yeah. with these people walking away from yeah. the Lord? Yeah, tough, very tough. Yeah, and you talked about it a little bit already, that that bitterness, it has something that it promises us, but it it's not going to give us those things because sin never delivers what it promises. And really what happens is we begin to become distorted and corrupted and twisted in ourselves. If a person listening is struggling with bitterness right now, they're just, they're like, that's me, that's me. Can you talk about where that sin is going to take them if they don't repent? Wow. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, um, hard not to get emotional about it, but... um, what Satan wants you to do, you know, people that are in self-protective pride, you know, okay, bitterness uh, walls up self-protective pride, right. and what that does is isolates you. Yeah, you know, you don't want to be around people. You're afraid of getting hurt. Yep. You don't want to get hurt. You're you're blame shifting. Okay, number one, people don't want to be around people who are bitter. Yeah, you know, negative, just always just right. oozing bitterness. So. Uh, the very thing that you crave, okay, I'm a person who has fear of man. I crave the affirmation, but my bitterness is pushing people away. Right. So that is, you know, part of it is like, why why don't people like being around me? I'm I'm trying to do everything I can, but they, but all you talk about when you're with them is how angry you are at, and you're blaming your parents or oh, yeah. blaming yeah. things on, sure. you know, whatever. But you end up being isolated. Yeah. And alone, and of course, in those instances, when you feel like there's no way out, you know, no one loves me, what do you think, the, and what do you think the thoughts that are Satan's putting in your head? Mm. Why don't you just kill yourself? Mm. Mm. You know, people who are bitter end up exactly bitter and depressed, you know, isolated, bitter and, uh, or so angry, so bitter that they become uh, like, uh, Chris, I think, was talking about in his segment on anger, they go in these violent fits of rage and yeah, anger. right, right. And so, which is, could lead to, you know, domestic abuse or mm-hmm. whatever. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's that isolation, you know, it's just death. Yeah. It's loneliness. Yeah. It's exactly where, you know, kill, stolen, and destroy. It's exactly where yeah. Satan wants to take you. Yeah, that's, I, I'll never forget talking with Dustin Renz in a show that we did I don't know, a a couple of months ago, and he talked about how looking back on how he descended into sin, he could just see how the enemy was just holding this thing in front of him and just saying, just keep coming closer, just keep coming a little bit further, a little bit further. I've got this thing for you. And and you, you lock onto that thing that sin is promising you, and you don't realize where you're going. You don't realize how far you're descending into uh, the the perversion, the corruption, the anger, the bitterness, the envy, like sin is just being bre- is breeding in your heart. And then suddenly you look up, how did I get here? It's because you were following the enemy down that path that he wanted you to go. Yep. I want to ask you about hindrances to overcoming bitterness and resentment, because we're going to talk about how to repent of pride in future segments, but... What would you say are some things that keep a person from being set free from bitterness? Yeah, I had four things written down in my notes. One is um, unforgiveness, lack of forgiveness. Uh-huh. 
you have to for, be able to forgive the people that have sinned against you. That's mm. a huge thing. Yeah. And let going of the bitterness, but it's also allowing allowing the Lord to search your heart, saying, yeah. Lord, come in. I do not want these seeds of bitterness to continue in my life. I don't want that to grow. I don't want to affect other people in my life. So Lord, will you search me? Mm -hmm. And you know, that takes a lot for a person who's been in self-protective pride, who's lacked vulnerability. So definitely, you know, what prevents people from really getting is that lack of forgiveness, um, not allowing the Lord to search their hearts, uh, not seeing your own sin and the bitterness. It's like, okay, um, Mm. this person sinned against me, Right. But my response to their sin is also sin. But yeah. a, a lot of times people are so blind to that. So a response to that is obviously, Lord, open my eyes to see okay. my own sin in this. Yeah. Before we close, let's talk briefly about overcoming. How do we overcome self-protective pride? Well, as Jesse pointed out, Those who are quiet and reserved are often very self-conscious and fearful of being hurt or rejected. In other words, protecting self is one of the most important things. And so repentance will be worked out in a similar way to those who struggle with arrogant pride. Others will have to become far more important than self. Repentance will mean that we give of ourselves for the needs of others. Instead, of having everything revolve around us. Now, this means without a doubt that if you struggle with self-protective pride, you will have to confront your fear. Fear of being hurt, fear of being misunderstood, fear of being known, fear of being rejected. You're going to have to put yourself out there for the sake of Jesus and the sake of others. And let me say right away, putting self-centered thinking to death can be really hard. I've found that one of the best places to start is prayer because prayer works at changing the flow of our heart. In order for me to truly pray for others, self-centeredness has to die. And in prayer, we can begin to experience the selfless heart of God for others, which then is going to work itself out in actions. Remember, God is looking at the heart not just our outward behaviors. And what God is really requiring of us is love, true, fervent, self-sacrificial love for others. Now we know by experience that that can only come from God. And so in the place of prayer, as we empty ourselves out before him, as we desperately are in need of him to remake us into his image, His nature begins to emerge from us. And then we can trust him in each and every situation to give us what we need to help others. That's all for today's episode. But before we go, I want to make a special announcement that registration for our 21st annual conference is now open. We'll be hosting our conference April 23rd and 24th at the Ark Encounter in Williamstown, Kentucky. Our theme this year, Babel. The tower is nearly complete. Please visit conference.purelifeministries.org for all the information about this wonderful event. We would love to see you there. Thanks for joining us. We'll continue talking about the manifestations of pride next week as we look at the kind of pride that will never settle for anything less than perfection. 
Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.